motivation follows action. So one of the biggest shifts that we can have in life is taking action before we feel ready. I saw that, how it delayed my 50 states goal. I saw that in career shifts that I wanted to make earlier than I did. Going back to school, going back to graduate school, I never really felt 100% confident or ready. But if I continued to, to wait to take action and to start that, I was going to be disappointed in myself. And so pushing yourself when you don't really feel ready, I think is really hard and really important too. Welcome back to another episode of Embracing the Journey, Living Beyond Limits. Today we have a truly inspiring guest, Shannon McCulloch. Shannon's story is one of perseverance, dedication, and unwavering determination. She's embarked on a remarkable journey to run 50 races in 50 states. While some might see this as an ordinary feat within the running community, Shannon's journey is anything but ordinary. It's a testament to the power of setting audacious goals and pursuing them with relentless passion. Despite facing setbacks and grappling with self-doubt, Shannon never gave up on her dream. She teaches us that setbacks are not roadblocks but detours, guiding us to reevaluate, recommit, and push forward with renewed vigor. Through her warmth and humility, Shannon shares not only the triumphs but also the challenges she's encountered along the way. Her story reminds us that our dreams are within reach if we're willing to embrace the journey despite the obstacles that may arise. As we delve into Shannon's narrative, let her story serve as a beacon of inspiration. Let it remind you that your goals, no matter how daunting they may seem, are achievable with dedication, sacrifice, and determination. So sit back, relax, and prepare to be inspired. Shannon's story is not just about running races, it's about embracing challenges, living beyond limits, and ultimately fulfilling our deepest aspirations. Enjoy. Shannon, first and foremost, thank you for joining me for this episode. My first question for you is really what inspired you to start the journey of 50 races in 50 states? And what's the main goal of achieving that? What, what's that going to do for you going forward in the future? Yeah, I'll start by saying, well, first of all, thank you for having me on your podcast. Yeah, excited to be here and um, yeah, talk about this goal that, yeah, sometimes I feel like as a runner who spends a lot of time with other runners that it's not so unique, but it's nice to be reminded that it is kind of uncommon, especially outside of the running community. So thanks for having me. And as far as what inspired me to start this goal of running 50 races in 50 states, I'll share a little story of yeah where that came from. So I remember it was my senior year of college, so 2013, when I was sitting in my tiny little apartment scrolling on Instagram, which was really new to us at the time. I feel like this was like the beginning stages of Instagram. And I came across another runner who was participating in the same challenge, running a race in all 50 states. And if I remember correctly, at that point, she had just uh, finished like her 20th race. So she was posting a picture, celebrating, just crossed off 20 out of 50 states. And immediately I was inspired by her. I thought like, how cool is that? She gets to travel. She gets to see the country. She also gets to regularly compete in new races. And I started thinking, well, I've already run a handful of races in Pennsylvania, where I grew up. And that year earlier, our club cross-country team had traveled to Indiana to race our like national competition. So I'm thinking, okay, I already have two states crossed off. And then I really started thinking about it a little bit more. And reality set in and I started to question myself. So kind of that self-doubt bubbled up there. I thought, okay, really, who has time for that? That's so expensive. Who has money for that? What if you get bored? What if you do 10 states and give up? And so basically that, yeah, that self-doubt kind of crept up and I talked myself out of it. So it wasn't until a few years later that I even really reconsidered that goal and said it out loud to anyone. And I can't say exactly what sparked my interest again. I think it was I kind of sat on that for a while and I, I knew it was something deep down that I wanted to do. And I, I think also like watching the Philadelphia Marathon in my area, like being inspired by runners going out there and doing it. I was like, okay, this goal is not over. I do want to do this. And so then in, in 2016, I ran my third state. I crossed off that race I did 
New Jersey. And so now, 2023, the goal is very much in motion. I just hit my 21st state this summer. I ran the Buffalo Marathon in New York. And I kind of think that's serendipitous a little bit because the girl who I saw on Instagram 10 years ago, who inspired me originally, was just around that same number of states. I think she was at 20 and now I'm at 21. And so ultimately, the goal really is to see the country and stay active. Um, And I think I could do both of those things separately, right? Like I could make it a separate goal to just see as many states as I can. I could make it its own goal to just stay active and regularly do races. But for me, I think coupling those two interests, so travel and running, has really fueled my motivation and then commitment to reach this goal and run a race in all 50 states. So you were cross-country for your school for high school or for college yeah so for background and i'm sure this will come up in a little bit too but i ran i've been running since middle school so i did run track in middle school and then when i got to high school i ran cross country and track and then college i kind of have a story there a little bit but ended up running with the club cross country team in college what was the first Thing that drew you to track in middle school cross country was it the staying active or was there a competitiveness in you uh, i definitely think there was a competitiveness i think it was also a lot of trial and error of other sports i remember my mom like signed me up for every sport there that was possibly available to me growing up and some of them stuck and some of them didn't i, I played community soccer for a while i tried field hockey i did one day of the swim team, um, and that that didn't it didn't go back after that. But I think it was figuring out what was really like a good fit for me sport wise. It also helped that my older sister was a runner, and I saw I watched her run track and cross country as a little kid, and then of course wanted to be like her too. Now you've done so you've done twenty one states of the fifty, and obviously this is you know like the Ironman right doing fifty marathons in. 50 states, you're doing 50 multi-distance races. What's the shortest distance that you would race in any one state? And then obviously marathons in the in, in some states, what's the shortest distance? Yeah, for right now, i thinking the standard 5K, so 3.1 miles is a fair race for me to count towards this goal. But yes, the longest I've gone is, I have done a few marathons and then I was thinking we've done a trail race. That was not an ultra, but I'm I'm not opposed to it at some point, maybe considering something longer than a marathon. We'll, we'll kind of see if that comes up, but I made it flexible. So it's a little bit more attainable that you know, if I'm in a certain state on vacation and there happens to be a 5k or a 10k that I can go ahead and register that in that and, and have that count. So how many marathons have you done so far in the 21? So you've done Buffalo, whatever ones have you done so far? You know, that's a good question because I've done quite a few marathons, but I haven't raced all of them. So it's an interesting question. Right out of college when I was teaching for those four years, I volunteered with a really great organization called Students Run Philly Style. Mm-hmm. And that was running with high school students who were training for long distance races. They did 5Ks, 10Ks, half marathon, full marathon. So I did participate in some marathons with students. And while like I finished the race, I definitely can count that. Those were not really ones that I competed in or raced, right? That was there to volunteer and be there with the students rather than to run it for myself. So I have a few marathons from that experience. And then as far as racing marathons, I did Louisville, Kentucky. I did Delaware, and then Buffalo would be my third one that I've raced so far. So you're only counting the ones that you consider a race, not just participation. Is that part of the goal is that you have to race them and challenge yourself for something or it's not just for the fun of the running? No, I think it de- like it definitely does count as far as knocking off a state for this um, this long-term goal that I have. But it's just an interesting question when you ask like a runner, like, okay, did you race that race? Did you run it? Did you just do it to finish? Did you run it 
with a friend to help them finish. And so there's some, I guess, slight differences with how you can, like, what you consider that you raced versus just did with someone else, I guess. Because yeah. uh, a marathon remind me is what, 26, 26 miles, is it? Yeah. 26.2. Can't forget that point two. <laughs> That's the end part. But I would say any kind of commitment to get to anything close to that is definitely an achievement in itself, right? It, whether it's uh, a race or just kind of going through it as support network for somebody else. It's interesting that you differentiate being the support already for yourself and then counting that towards your target. So between all the, the marathons that, that you've gone or the longer distance races, um, do you prepare for them very similar, the same, different states, they have different climates, different needs, different altitudes, I guess, in certain states. Do you, how do you prepare yourself for each race, each state, each time of the year? How many races do you do over the course of 12 months? Do you have a timeline? There's a lot of questions there, but I'll, I'll stop you off here. Yeah, I think each race you do need to approach it individually and have its own plan leading up to a race. As far as how many I do per year, I think it depends on what stage of life I'm in and, and how many I have time for. So for example, this year I'm tra I've trained for the Buffalo Marathon in the summer and now I'm training for the Philadelphia Marathon in the fall. And although there's definitely similarities between the training plan leading up to both of those, Buffalo was a 19-week plan. Uh, Philly is going to end up being an 18-week plan. And there's the standard kind of weekly mileage you're trying to hit. You're trying to get a long run in each week. I'm trying to get a speed workout, some easy runs um, sprinkled in there, maybe a, a gym or lifting session. There's some similarities. You definitely have to think about where you're running. So if it's a unique state or location, if there's a unique terrain, whether it's trail or road. If the course is hilly, that's a huge consideration because that's going to impact what you do leading up to that race. If you're incorporating more hill workouts or more trail runs to prepare for what's coming up in that individual race. Was the beer run part of training for? <laughs> it is so funny that you asked that. Yeah. So I do a Thursday night beer runner group. It's our like it's my easy run of the week. I run with some friends and then we go get a, a drink afterwards. But my coach that I have this time around has been nice enough to incorporate that into my training plan. Like there's literally like easy for 45 minutes with beer runners on my Thursday night plan. So you yep. gotta have some of it, right? Um, mm -hmm. Something you mentioned earlier, the, the two, two words that you mentioned to me earlier that stand out. So in the original inspiration and going through this, there was, you, you mentioned self-doubt and you linked it more to, was it affordable or was the time available too? So I'm interested in what kind of self-doubt that you potentially had and how did that affect the timeline and how you started the challenge? Did it interfere with it at all? Can you talk to me a little bit about what self-doubt you had at the beginning of the, the process? Absolutely. Yeah. I think you picked up on that. Like, I just... As an individual person, I don't particularly identify as a very confident person. And so I think self-doubt for me shows up a lot of ways, not just in running, but in general. And so early on with that goal, while I was in college, I mean, really, it, it ended up delaying the start of this goal for nearly three years, right? Like it this was this 2013 that the thought first came to me and I was really inspired and it wasn't until 2016 that I did my third state race. So I really like sat on that for a while and I think, yeah, kind of let that self-doubt talk me out of it and think of like, okay, that's just too big of a goal. What else can you do in the meantime? Like what else feels manageable? What else could work instead? And yeah, I kind of wish that I would have not let that hinder me and not let that stop me from trying. And I, I kind of wish I would have started sooner. So what happened in that three years to finally get you to that point? Um, cause you said you went to college for a national championship, right? Yes. That race was in Indiana, which was how I kind of realized, okay, I have two States done. 
that was my senior year, right around when this goal came to mind. So we had just, it was our club team. We went to our club national competition and run in Indiana. What do you think happened over those three years to get to the point where you now took it over the, over the bridge, so to speak, and and took that first jump to commit to that goal? Or you don't? I think, I think (laughs) it's hard to say. I know like a lot of that three years, I was still thinking about it. It didn't, the thought didn't go away. The goal didn't go away. My interest to do it didn't go away. So I think I probably found some other like small races to do in Pennsylvania just to kind of, because of course I'm a runner, I enjoy running and racing. And I think it was a lot of like watching other runners push themselves and do really cool things that reminded me like, okay, yes, I am an average runner, but I can do big things like they're doing. Like it was kind of just continually being inspired by people I was seeing out on the Schuylkill River Trail or whatever I was running, seeing people push themselves it like around me, right? Like just kind of your average people that I just kept kind of thinking about it kept coming up and I just really didn't feel satisfied and didn't I wasn't proud of myself that I wasn't going for this goal that I know I wanted to. So I think it was just trying to kind of getting fed up with like, I want to do this. I've talked myself out of it. I don't have a good reason for not wanting to at least try for it. And finally just like saying, okay, I'm going to go for it and see what happens. Has any of this kind of self-doubt leading into commitment transferred itself into a personal or professional space? Has anything similar happened in, in those realms as well? Yeah, I can absolutely see how there's overlap just to every part of my life. I think if you don't feel confident or if you struggle to take action, like you're going to see that show up in your work, in your daily habits, in your athletic uh, activities. And so I definitely think it it showed up a lot of places. And for me, I think what I do to kind of address that or how I worked through that is I saw a quote that I really like that I'll share with you. I don't remember who said it, so I'm sorry. And I, I probably don't have it totally right, but something along the lines of like motivation follows action. So like one of the biggest shifts that we can have in life is taking action before we feel ready. And so I saw that, how it delayed my 50 states goal. I saw that in like career shifts that I wanted to make earlier than I did. Going back to school, going back to like, you know, graduate school, I never really felt 100% confident or ready. But if I continued to to wait to take action and to start that, like I was going to be disappointed in myself. And so kind of pushing yourself when you don't really feel ready, I think is really hard and really important too. Let's reflect on the power of inspiration. Are you igniting your own flame of ambition or are you waiting for others to spark it for you? Remember, your goals are deeply tied to your personal values. Take inspiration from those around you, but let it fuel your self-belief and confidence. Who inspires you the most? How can you channel that inspiration into action? It's time to reset, reignite, and reaffirm your commitment to your dreams. Stay tuned for more insights and inspiration on embracing the journey, living beyond limits. I find that an interesting way of looking at things that you need to kind of go through the action steps to find the motivation. I would think that it's be motivated to take action, right? So how do you interpret that in terms of how you, how you went through school and then obviously the job profession as well and finding your way there? Do you believe that's an important way to look at things? Like just to commit to something, go through the action steps and see whether that motivates you to continue to push the envelope and go further? Yeah, I do. I think obviously there needs to be initial motivation to make any sort of change, whether it's starting an ambitious goal or making a career change or going back to school for something. Like there needs to be that initial interest and motivation. I think a lot of people stop there. And I see this actually with a lot of students that I work with in my current role. Like they have that initial motivation. They know that doing X, Y, or Z will help them in the long run. Taking that first initial action is really difficult. It feels like this huge commitment 
It feels like we need to have everything aligned, planned out, perfectly set up. We need to be 100% ready to do that, to take that first initial action. And rarely, like, does life present us that opportunity to feel that ready when we need to take that action. Do you feel you've evolved as an individual because of that specific experience of procrastinating and getting through that? Have you changed your values? Have you thought more about what kind of person that you were and wanted to be? And has that evolved over time just through that short window of, you know what, I waited too long to do this. That's not going to happen to me. Um, again, in the future, if I want to do something, I'm going to take action and not wait for the perfect window to, to take it. How has that evolution been for you in terms of um, setting targets and reaching them? Yeah, I think it has made me more of a go-getter, more of somebody who says yes to new opportunities, even when I'm scared. I have always valued being competent, being certain, and like being 100% ready to do things. Like I really love when I can be knowledgeable and show up and know that I'm going to crush the task at hand. But again, rarely in life am I perfectly set up to be 100% ready to do something. And so, yes, I think that this experience with this goal of dragging my feet a little bit and wishing it started earlier, I remind myself of that now when I'm a lot of times in work, like volunteering for things even before I feel ready, right? Like I'm going to say yes, I'm going to take that initiative, take that action because I know that. I can build up to that and get to that place I want to feel, even if I don't feel that way when I start. Is that a fear of not achieving your goals? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, and does that play a big part in the motivation to, to set these ambitious targets is to conquer that fear? I think so. I think part of it is like proving to yourself that you can do it, right? This is, at least for me, this 50 state challenge is like, a long-term challenge and like of course something could come up along the way that could change this tra trajectory so it's not a guarantee so I have to kind of keep showing up and keep going for it hoping that I'm going to make it to prove to myself that I can make it. Is there you don't have a timeline on when you want to complete the 50 races right? Funny that you asked that somebody had asked me that the other day and my answer that I gave them is to try and finish this by the time that I retire. So I'm 32 now. I have, you know, 29 states left. So I'm thinking about averaging out one per year and that feels manageable. If I finish sooner, great. If it takes me longer, that's fine too. If anything I've learned from this goal is like I plan to be a lifelong runner. And so cool, if I have to run a race when I'm 70, then that's what I have to do to finish the goal. I know you mentioned the students from Philly style earlier, and there's a significant amount of volunteer work that you have done. How, how do you feel that's helped shape your experiences? How does that volunteering tie into your values and how has that shaped your experiences and goals moving forward? I guess I'll start by saying like being a helpful person has always been an important value for me, whether that is leading a club in college or in the professions that I chose to pursue. So teaching, counseling, academic advising, all of those things, like being a helpful individual is very important to me. And so when I started teaching, naturally, I thought like, okay, one way outside of the classroom to connect with students and help students would be through some sort of running club. And for me, at different points, I was asked to, if I wanted to be the coach of the cross-country team or the track team, um, at that point, I was still pretty early on. Again, still struggling with self-doubt, so turned down those opportunities. But when I came across Students Run Philly style, that to me seemed like a really unique opportunity to connect with students in a way that was, one, outside of the classroom but doing something that I was really passionate about and that I thought could be really transformative for them. And so I remember, I think it was my second year volunteering with that organization. 
I had one student who was in my class who was also part of the club who was so quiet, so shy, really struggled in my class and a lot of other classes as well. And I watched this student as I met more and more with them outside of the classroom on these long runs, right, running anywhere from 5 to 10 to 15 miles with this student and other students in the club. And there's just like, you can't replace that time like spent on your feet running next to somebody, learning about their life and encouraging them to keep going when they're tired. Something that just like can't be understood on paper, I guess is the best way to say it. And so I literally watched this student start raising their hand in my class, start getting like excited to come to my class, talking more, participating in group projects, watch their grades increase, not only in my class, but in other teachers' classes. And I can't say it's all from this running club, but there's like this undeniable part that some of that success, some of that like self-growth and development came from this club and really just like spending time with the student running. And so for like that experience and just like any other ways to volunteer, I think you don't always know exactly what that person's going to get out of it um, or when they'll get something out of it. It might be after you're no longer their teacher and you don't know, but it's all about planting those seeds for self-development. And I think a lot of that and a lot of like really important life lessons can come through running too. So I think it was just this really great example of like, that's what motivates me to continue to be helpful continue to work with students in different ways and run with people when I can. How much of being an academic advisor or, or education coach come the roles that you've had, how much of that comes down to, obviously you said you're a helpful person and you want to help others, right? You want to help them develop, be better, but how much is it about you kind of seeing yourself in them and in terms of like helping them overcome that lack of confidence? that maybe you felt earlier on, especially leading up to that goal and then wanting to instill that confidence in others. Does that come into it at any one point or is it just one of your values? It's just, you've always just gravitated towards helping people no matter what the situation is. It's interesting that you ask that because I feel like a lot of other advisors or coaches that I speak to, there is some sort of like personal story of, I really struggled with this when I was younger or when I was enrolling in college or switching majors and I wish there was somebody there to have helped me and now kind of trying to be that person for other people's like kind of feel like be who you wanted to be around when you were at that age. So that's definitely a part of it. I definitely can see how like, Myself, I struggled in college picking my major and like switching my majors and feeling really lost and wishing that I had more guidance at that time. So I definitely think part of my role now and my prior role as an education coach was really helping students through that confusion. And then part of it too is I think it's great to be that helpful person, but it's even better when you can help people realize that they have the skills or can learn the skills to then help themselves. And I think part of that is like, yeah, just building that confidence, being there, helping them navigate and find resources. But then when they realize like what they can do on their own without you, that's really inspiring too. The, the reason I asked that question is I had a, a conversation yesterday with someone about um, resilience as a, as a skill. Right, so it's not necessarily a, it can be deemed a character trait, but it, it's a skill that can be um, developed and learned over time. If you had somebody to advise you in that three-year window, would that have helped you? Or, or do you feel that three-year window has now shaped you into being a more resilient or more goal-oriented or more helpful person now than maybe it was back then? That's a really good question. Yeah, it's an interesting way of asking that, like, what was accomplished in those three years? Was it helpful for me in the long run? Sure. I think there's a lot of important lessons that I had to learn going through those three years. And I think that wait time definitely increased my motivation now to go for this goal. Would it have been nice to start earlier? Sure. <laughs> 
would I have appreciated, yeah, like some sort of coach at that point or skills to build that resilience or self-confidence? Absolutely. But right now there's lessons I learned from that time that I think, you know, maybe I wouldn't have learned them if I didn't spend that time waiting. As we take a brief pause, let's delve into the essence of taking action before being fully prepared. Remember, waiting for the perfect moment often means waiting indefinitely. It's the steps you take, however uncertain, that propel you forward. Regardless of immediate success, embrace the journey knowing that the process is just as valuable as the outcome. Don't underestimate the power of reaching back to help others. It's not just about selflessness, it's about the genuine desire to improve the lives of others, which can be a potent source of personal motivation. We invite you to join us in our mission to uncover new stories and share narratives that inspire action. Your support means the world to us. Please follow, rate, and review our podcast to help us reach more ears and ignite more souls on this journey of growth and empowerment. Stay tuned for more insights and inspiration on embracing the journey, living beyond limits. I just want to go back a little bit to your journey from a running perspective. Some things that always come down to it is the level of discipline and elements of planning and goal setting that help build an individual's confidence. I know at the very beginning of this, you talked about self-doubt, lack of confidence in yourself as an individual, whether the goal was attainable or not, but, but then being inspired, obviously by others to take that leap of faith in, in yourself. How important do you feel that having a plan in place, setting goals, and then being disciplined and committed enough to follow through with that has helped you in terms of the 50 races in 50 states? And do you find yourself translating that into your role as, a, as an education coach? Yes, absolutely. I think those elements, so you mentioned like discipline and planning, I think those are crucial to taking like an idea to then action and continued action. So those items I think are absolutely huge. As far as discipline, I think that's something you can, it's, it's a skill you can build. I'll speak to myself. It's something I've had to work on throughout this goal of my 50 races in 50 states. So like I am. Be Is that what we're talking about? <laughs> no, no. I just mean like, I am, I'm not an early riser, right? Like, and that's what my marathon training plan requires is me to wake up and run before work because that's, especially over the summer, that's like when it's cool enough to run an hour in the morning. So like being disciplined and finding ways, finding different strategies to improve that are huge for me to like continually wake up and train for this. So I leave my clothes out. I put out what I'm going to eat for breakfast. I give myself little rewards after I finish a run in the morning. Meeting with friends as like accountability partners. I have two girls I'm meeting with tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. So I make sure I do my 16 mile run tomorrow. Like different ways to help me stay disciplined because it's not something that like I'm not a naturally disciplined person even you might think that being somebody who's run multiple races and, and trains for marathons it's not something that comes natural to me so and then as far as planning that's another huge piece too right I have a training plan I'm following right now already planning out future races and what years I might do some races based on logistics that's huge but I think also within planning like leaving some room for modifications and like knowing that challenges are going to come up, knowing that life happens and things have to change um, so that you can continue moving forward is also really important. So it, it's having a plan, but also being realistic about that plan and being responsive to the things that come up with your everyday life so that you can continue working on that goal. That's how you that's how you stay disciplined. It's how you are a planner, but how you're also like realistic with the demands of life. So you, your plan will change. Oh, I'm sure it will. Yeah. Like, yes, I have a... How do you deal with adapting to change? Do you just accept that as part of the process or do you get frustrated in that moment that things change or is it just something that you accept as part of the process of making a plan and then adjusting and adapting along the way? I think you do really have to expect and plan for change and even like setbacks. 
I think of last year was the first time I had to drop out of a race, like decide not to do a race, throw in the towel about one week before the race was supposed to happen. And that like really surprised me. It caught me off guard. I didn't really think about that as an option. Like it was just that I'm going to do this race. It's going to be done. I'm going to cross this off, move on to the next. And when I had that unexpected change, I had an injury come up. We were in the middle of moving cross country. We were trying to buy a house. There was so much going on. I was being unrealistic with the time that I had available for this race. And when that change initially came up, it like hurt my ego for a little bit. I was like, okay, maybe I'm not motivated enough. Maybe uh, I'm not going to reach this goal if I'm letting something like this throw off a race. But I think the more that we expect setbacks to come up, we can remind ourselves that just because that happens or just because you have a temporary failure or change doesn't mean your goal's out of reach. If you understand that setbacks are part of the process, it's how you then can reevaluate your plan and your strategy and ultimately make sure you get better. And that's something knowledge now that I use this time around to prevent that injury from reoccurring of mean adjustments. And so I think it's part of being a smart planner is knowing and leaving time for things that could go wrong and think about how you might address them ahead of time so that you can be more efficient and, and more responsive when they do happen and then get right back on track. The Buffalo race, I, and correct me if I'm wrong, you were going into that with the mindset that you wanted to use that as your qualifier for Boston, for the marathon in Boston. Is that, was that correct? Correct. That was, that was the goal. <laughs> so... And unfortunately, well, not unfortunately, because you ran it to two minutes short of the qualifying time, or effectively you said four minutes short, because you need to come two minutes underneath the qualifying time. How did you, and I know you've talked about the heat in New York, because it was Memorial Day weekend, very hot. Were you just accepting there was a hot day and that you'll get that qualifying time in Philly for the next one coming up, or were you disappointed in not achieving it despite the conditions. I'm curious how your mind works. If you go into Buffalo thinking I'm going to qualify for Boston and then you fall a couple of, couple of minutes short. And I think you told me you, you could have done it, but you just didn't push yourself through it. Is, is there any sense there of it doesn't really matter because I'm going to do it in Philly and I've got no real set timeline to do Boston or how, how, how did you process that? Yeah, absolutely. That was a difficult one. The day it happened, the day after, I on race day, and I realized I had missed the time by two minutes, I was really disappointed. I had a good cry session. <laughs> yeah, I was really hurt. Again, my ego was hurt. And literally the next day, I was telling Curran, okay, like, I'm going to register for Philly. Like, it was already like, okay, I had my cry. I had my, like, pity party, wallowed a little bit. I spent 19 weeks training for this race and it didn't go exactly how I wanted it to. And then next day I'm like, okay, I'm still frustrated. I'm still angry about this and disappointed, but I'm going to use it as fuel to, to try again. Right. And so it's, you can still be disappointed in one setback while still taking action to, to try and go for it again or achieve a different goal. As we approach the end of our conversation with Shannon, let's reflect on an essential takeaway. Disappointment is an inevitable part of every journey. No matter your talent, organization, or preparation, setbacks will arise. But here's the truth. Goals are adaptable. They can evolve and transform. And adjusting doesn't diminish your ability to achieve what you set out for originally. Vulnerability, often perceived as weakness, is a crucial aspect of growth. Through reflection and acceptance, we can turn vulnerability into a catalyst for progress. It takes courage to accept who we are and what we aim to achieve, flaws and all. So as we conclude, remember that setbacks don't define you, they refine you. Stay resilient, stay adaptable, and stay true to your journey of growth and self-discovery. Stay tuned for the conclusion of Shannon's inspiring story on embracing the journey, living beyond limits. The one thing I wanted to ask you, you said that um, you're not an early riser, and you need to set little triggers for yourself to help you stay disciplined, stay on, on topic. And you mentioned you had two friends that you're meeting up with tomorrow. That's part of trying to keep you, I guess, motivated, right? Disciplined, accountable. 
to the plan that you have in place. How much do they help and inspire you to continue on that journey and stay on track? Absolutely. I think the support group and the people that you surround yourself with are a huge piece of continuing to be motivated, setting yourself up for success. And as you said, like have some accountability. And so, I mean, some of my closest friends that I have stayed in touch with since high school were my cross-country team in high school. They were with me there. We ran together for four years. You spend so many hours with them and you kind of go through this like bonding of like we're suffering through these like hard practices, these races together, traveling to compete together. So there's just like this shared understanding of like we are in it together. We're going to show up, make sure the other person shows up. So that has been huge. And then now as an adult, I think a huge part of my like growing like excitement and passion and commitment to running and this goal has come from surrounding myself with other runners who are working on their own ambitious goals. No one else in my like immediate running group right now is doing the 50 states or 50 races in 50 states, but some are have run Boston and qualified for Boston multiple times or training for international marathons or races or different PRs. And like that has been really inspiring. And that continues to push me to say like, okay, if they can do this, I can do this. Or we are all working on something hard together and it might be different hard things, but we're all working towards them together. Does that lead to providing you with greater self-belief and confidence in yourself because you have the support around you that people are going through something similar? For me, I think it's really important. I didn't decide to try and qualify for Boston until I started running with one of my running groups I run with now. A lot of them are a lot faster than me. A lot of them have run Boston multiple times and seeing them do it, trying to run with them, trying to keep up with them has pushed me to go for this kind of faster goal, right? Because the most of the races I do in this 50 states challenge, although I'm trying and they might, I might be trying for a PR, I don't necessarily need a fast time to have that state be crossed off. And so I just happen to be in a season of life right now where I want to try and be really fast and try and qualify for Boston. And I think especially like this running group that I've kind of fell into in the area has been a like I think they're the ones that inspired me to try for this at this point of life. How does the process of setting and achieving goals in the past? So things that we've set ourselves previously, how do they influence what we're doing currently and then into the future, if that makes sense in terms of then resetting and realigning those goals? So from whenever you left college to set those goals, have those goals, whether that's personal, professional, the running goals, have they modified and changed? Have they influenced anything that you do on a day-to-day basis now? And have they affected anything that you plan for the future? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I definitely think goals and plans can change over time while still honoring the original goal. So, right, my like 50 states goal hasn't changed, but my plan and my timeline to work towards that has definitely changed and evolved over time. Um, And so originally, once I committed to this goal, when I ran my third race in New Jersey and crossed off my third state, I was like, okay, I'm going to do this in 10 years. I'm going to do this so quick. I'm going to run all these races so fast. I had a very like idealistic timeline of how quickly I could complete this. And I also was thinking every race, I'm going to be trying to run a personal best. I'm just going to get faster and faster every race. And after a few more states and realizing that wasn't really realistic, one with the time, two with the energy, and three with like that sort of athletic goal of only improving over time. I I ran races that I was really disappointed that I didn't run as fast as I thought I could or was frustrated that I wasn't getting faster at certain points. I realized I had to stop and reevaluate and think about, okay, what is 
more realistic, what is more sustainable for me to actually achieve this goal of running 50 races in 50 states. And it's not always running a personal best, right? That's not what's going to get me there. It's going to be, okay, you maybe have a one race per year that you want to run really fast and train really hard for or try and qualify for Boston. Um, but other ones, you can have more relaxed, like you can be more relaxed and just run a race to run a race or to cross off that state. And so that's taken off some of the pressure to always be performing at my best. And also, I think making me more comfortable and like calm about this goal, because it doesn't always have to be about performance, at least for me for right now. It's the fact that I'm seeing the country and now kind of like with finances and planning that out, the timeline has changed and aiming for one state per year is something that's manageable for me with time off of work and financially. So those adjustments along the way were crucial so that I could actually achieve this long-term goal. Because if I kept up with the pace that I had originally started, I probably would have burnt out and quit after 10, 10 states. But now I'm almost halfway through and I have a long-term plan that feels realistic and sustainable. How does that process of adaptability leading to improving your um, self-confidence and self-belief? Has it changed your perception of how confident you are in yourself in other areas? I think there's probably still a little bit of like lingering self-doubt, but it's not nearly as much as it was. And I think you are exactly right. Like as you go through these setbacks and as you continue to keep at, keep working on that goal, that does increase your confidence, right? You're like, okay, I got through that. Didn't like how that went, but I'm still making progress. I'm still on my way towards this long-term goal. And so at this point now, again, that I'm almost halfway through this long-term goal, I'm very confident I'm going to complete it. There's still some lingering doubts of like, okay, will I qualify for Boston? Or will I, if I try and run another race, and run a personal best, will I do that? There's those lingering doubts, but not so much that like, okay, if I don't achieve that or if something does go wrong or if I do have that temporary failure, that everything's going to be over and I'm going to have to quit this goal. So there's still that underlying self-belief that you can keep going knowing that there may be future setbacks. My last question for you is if, if you had advice for anyone starting a similar journey or advice to yourself, back at the beginning of it, what would be the main piece of advice to help them strive to achieve their goals or help you, or if you're talking to yourself, help you achieve your goals? Yeah. The advice that I would have given to myself and that I give to others now as I work with them as students or other folks who are thinking about taking on any sort of running goal or any goal in general really is like start taking action before you feel ready. So. Even if you are uncertain of your next steps, even if you are just finding something really small you can do every day. So if it is running, like looking into shoes, if it is trying to gain a new skill set, maybe reading an article, if it's trying to find a new job, messaging someone on LinkedIn, take some small steps even when you feel not ready because you're never going to feel 100% ready to start. So if you start taking those baby steps, eventually you'll be walking and then you'll be running. And I mean that figuratively. So like just starting to show up and take action. And I do think also that consistency is better than perfection. I think that perfection, that ideal of perfection can cause a lot of fear and have people avoid starting something or wait three years before starting to work on a goal. And so with that false ideal in your mind that like I have to feel confident and perfect to start, um, know that you can start even when you're not 100% ready. Um, and then with that like consistent action, that's gonna create more motivation to take more action. And then that more and more action that you take, that's gonna improve your confidence, it's gonna improve your competence. And then ultimately like just continuing to take action is overall what's gonna help you reach your goal. 
As we come to the end of Shannon's remarkable story, let it serve as a beacon of hope and inspiration. It's a reminder that self-doubt can be overcome, even on the most complicated of journeys that often meander rather than follow a straight path. In each of our unique goals and challenges, there lies a common thread, the innate ability within each of us to rise above adversity and succeed, even when the odds seem stacked against us. So I challenge you to set small goals, undeterred by disappointment if things don't always go as planned. Know that setbacks are not roadblocks, but opportunities for growth and resilience. Shannon found inspiration in others and learned to break her goals into manageable chunks, making the long-term vision less daunting. And let's not forget the power of reaching back and helping others along the way, a cornerstone of our podcast, Embracing the Journey. If we can offer you even a fraction of the inspiration needed to take that first step, to take action before you feel ready, then we are fulfilling our purpose. Your story matters and we want to hear it. Share your journey with us so we can share it with others who may be seeking solace and guidance in a similar stage of their lives, be it personal or professional. In a beautiful twist of fate since our conversation, Shannon achieved a monumental milestone by completing the Philadelphia Marathon and yes, qualifying for the Boston Marathon. Following the disappointment of missing out on a target in Buffalo, her journey is a testament to the resilience of the human spirit and power of perseverance. With determination, dedication, and unwavering belief in ourselves, we can overcome any obstacle and achieve our dreams. So to Shannon and to all of you listening, may this be a testament to the incredible heights we can reach when we refuse to give up, when we dare to dream big, and when we embrace the journey with open hearts and unwavering resolve. Thank you to Shannon for sharing her journey with us, and remember, no matter where you are on your own path, the best is yet to come. Keep running, keep believing, and keep embracing the journey. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please subscribe and leave a rating and review. To stay up to date with Embracing the Journey, Living Beyond Limits and get all the behind the scenes content, visit www.raisemindset.org forward slash podcast, where you can find links to follow us at all our social media channels and available podcast platforms on Apple, Spotify, and Podbean. Thank you for listening.